get some feedback to see how I'm doing. I always, when I see the top of your heads, I always know that I'm not doing so well that you went to sleep, but now I can't tell whether you're sleeping or not. So, hello to everybody. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, giving to the church at this time. We had just talked to Aurelia, and you guys are keeping that going, and I appreciate those who are reaching out to one another, and just thanks for uh, giving and continuing to keep the program going. I had a couple thoughts this morning on COVID-19. Weird deal. 9-11 changed America, and I'm wondering what COVID-19 is going to do to America, how that will change, how we'll be different, how we'll be different as a church, how that will change how we think. There's some silver linings that, uh, that Ruthie and I appreciate. Uh, our schedule isn't as full, and we're staying home a lot more, and we're enjoying that part of it. Uh, it's amazing, too, to us up in town how many more people are thinking about God uh, at times like this. They, they just uh, talk about him more. They look toward him a little bit more. And um, that's, uh, that's a good. It's a lot of great stories out there of people reaching out to one another and, and covering for each other and helping. had a couple pictures that were burned on my hard drive uh, this week. The first one was of cars lined up, and we're going to try to put it up there. 10,000 cars lined up at a food pantry in San Antonio, Texas this week. And that just really impressed on me. Here we are, America, and everybody keeps saying we're the greatest country in the world, and we have all these all these good things going on. 10,000 families lined up one day for hours and hours. And there was a lady in that crowd that one of the newsmen interviewed, and she said, I felt a little weird coming here. This is the first time I ever came to a food pantry. And she said, I was, they said, why were you, why were you concerned? She said, well, I'm driving a Cadillac. She was driving an older Cadillac. But she was dressed nice, and she had designer glasses on, and she just thought somebody would call her out for it. But she said, I thought it was more important to feed my kids than it was to get over my pride. And she said, so here I am. I had 10,000 cars lined up, and there's so many in Pennsylvania and California and all over the country uh, there was food pantries that are operating way above what they normally do, just trailer loads of people that are in real need, find themselves in need. And uh, the next on that same topic is a picture of some vegetables. In America last week, there was over 3 million uh, gallons of milk dumped. There was many fields of that there spring mix that you can buy in your grocery store uh, that they plowed down, and there was animals that were put down, and all because of the chain broke and 
all the restaurants in the country and all the schools in the country and all the hotels in the country shut down. And so what we have is a lot of people in need and a lot of people starving just because the food chains need to get in sync. And they're working at that. And the leaders are, I'm sure, doing everything they can to fix that problem. But in the meantime, we have, we have a struggle. The next one, protesters. This is just a small picture, and there was a lot of better pictures. But this has plain people, plain-dressed people, down at Madison marching with signs. And they were uh, protesting uh, what was real or what, how the government was handling things. They were totally against that. And that just burned on my hard drive to have um, uh, Mennonite-looking people and uh, motorcycle gangs teaming up on the same field to protest a government. I just thought that was uh, that was amazing that uh, that we had uh, rough and ready tattooed individuals carrying guns. And a plain person, somebody in the news said, boy, Governor Evers must have really bugged the Amish in Wisconsin. They weren't Amish. They were just uh, plain-dressed people. The country is so divided, just just uh, so divided. And it seems like we are sitting on a powder keg. Uh, but you, as a Christian... And we're going back to Colossians again to pick up where we left off. But you as a Christian are the calm voice and the reassuring voice and not adding to the argument. You are the person in the room that isn't trying to win arguments or get people on your side. Um, I just don't think I like the headlines, motorcycle gangs and Mennonites marching in Madison. I just don't, I, that doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't, it isn't who we are. <laughs> Shannon uh, brought a verse to my mind this morning that Peter wrote just for COVID-19 many years ago. And finally we get to COVID-19 and here it is. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as a servant of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. I thought it was a good reminder for us at times like this. Uh, you're not going to change anybody's mind if they think you should or you shouldn't wear a mask. That's how they're going to believe when you walk away. And if they think the governor is handling it wrong or he's handling it well, you're not going to change their mind. And you're not called to. And I think at a time like this, a calm, a reassuring voice and one that's not argument are adding to the, adding to the fight. So Colossians 3, if you turn to there, if you can get out of your easy chair and wander over there and get your Bible, Colossians 3, and we were in the first part of this 
short notice a couple or four weeks ago. If ye then be ridden, risen with Christ is the thought that we go through this whole thing. The book of Colossians says Christ is the head of the church. And uh, who we are, it says we have put on a new man and renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And uh, there's things that we don't get to vote on. Who is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. And it doesn't really matter if you disagree or agree with that. That's, that's how it's going to be. Christ is the head. And if you, there's rules that are in effect that are just as sure, like gravity. Uh, if you disagree with gravity, it's still going to work. If you go up on a roof and step on a skylight, you're going to come down. And if you say, you know, I disagree with that, with every part of my being, and you climb up on the roof and step on the skylight, you're going to come down again. Uh, these are rules, and the rules that he gives us here at the end of the chapter are those same kind of rules. It's a family structure. It's manufacturer's operating manual, and you don't have to agree with them, but that doesn't change them. They're still solid. They're still going to be the rule of the day. Uh, perspective. This talks to us about family, and we're going to just talk a little bit about family and about employee, employer. And uh, perspective, we so desperately need solid families. And I remind you that when, when I was a young man, we only knew one person that was divorced. And before that a little bit, there was just a few divorced in all of the United States and Canada. But today, and the reason I really want you young folks to listen to that is that's a perspective that when you drop in the middle of this, you don't understand. It wasn't always like you see it today with broken families and struggling. There's so many people that I know that the grandchildren uh, are being raised by the grandpa, and they're not equipped for it at that age as good anymore. God has a plan, and when we go to plan B, there's some difficulties that we face. And just, just as I think of that, a shout-out to Heather and what she's doing there, and just remember her as she goes through uh, through these difficulties, and, and uh, bless her when you can. Uh, I want to read, starting at verse 18, Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve 
the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong that he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. And we're just going to add verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is equal and just, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Okay, so uh, verse 18. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. And I have a couple thoughts on each one of these. Some supporting verses, of course, for wives would be Genesis or Ephesians 5 or 1 Peter. And i got to say, I so much appreciate our culture. And I don't say that to say we're better than anybody or that we are more spiritual. But there's one thing that our culture upholds. Uh, And as I look at today's, in our setting, in fractured families in America, as I look at this, the one thing I love is that we still hang to that commitment and the vows that we make until death do us part. And we still believe that. Uh, We have struggles. We go through difficulties. But at the end of the day, we know that commitment is going to see us through. And there's, there's so many different mindsets that look at that commitment. Like they change the vows into something, what's that bread without uh, gluten? Gluten-free. I think a lot of the marriage vows today are gluten-free, dairy-free, and everything else free. They say, we're going to hang together as long as we both shall love. What kind of commitment is that? How does that, how does that work for you then, people? I love our culture, the way they know that no matter what happens, we're going to hang together. Wives submit. And, you know, this is so unpopular, uh, and there's a lot of culture today would Flip and turn this off at this point there. And if you, as wives, if you feel anxious and resentful and you don't like it, I can just hear you say to your husband, hey, let's watch something more fitting for the children. Like, let's watch Bob the Builder on YouTube or something. Something that we can get something out of or something upbuilding or that's going to teach the children what we need them to know. Wives, it doesn't matter how you feel about Whether Christ is the head of the church, he is. And it doesn't matter how you feel about his owner's manual and his directions that he gives you. It still works the best. Wives submit. And what submit means, accept or yield the authority or will of another person. A helper is how it says it in Genesis, I believe. A support. To adapt to his goals. An encourager. First uh, Peter says, respect your husband. Same, same kind of thought. Encourage, affirm, and support. And we don't get to vote on this. We don't, we don't say, ah, I kind of disagree with that. Let's not do it that way. Here's the way. You, you don't have to practice this. 
But here's the way it works the best. And what it does, it enables your husband. And it's such a beautiful package that God has for it, if we'll accept it there. But it enables his leadership. When we were uh, listening to one of those counselor training sessions there, the counselor that counsels all day long, and that's what he does, and he said how often a wife will come in and, and a husband will come in and they'll sit down and the wife will say, he doesn't take his place. He doesn't step up to the plate. He doesn't lead. And so somebody has to. And I don't know, and in everybody in your own situation, and by the way, God reminds us of these, and we're going to talk about husbands and children here in just a little bit, but God reminds us of these because we get careless and we forget and we, we don't work our way through his, uh, his di- directions. But when a wife uh, enables a husband, he can assume that leadership. But so often when a wife is critical and demands to take this over and take that over, a husband's makeup is he'll leave go. And then pretty soon the wife is carrying a very, very heavy load. And she's not meant to carry that load all by herself. It's meant to be more of a team effort, enabling him. And there's, there's so many ways, so many faults that we, so many ways to go wrong in this here. But a wife that supports and encourages and adapts to her husband enables his leadership. Yeah, a husband needs to be able to embrace Constructive criticism, that's how we're made, and husbands do that very poorly. Uh, But uh, submission isn't a bad word like it's turned out to be, or like it's uh, advertised today. Uh, When we were up in New York many years ago, uh, uh, there was a preacher from our group, Gerald, Gerald was preaching, and he was preaching about this kind of thing, and he's preaching about homosexuality. And all of a sudden, a guy jumped up on the wall and hollered at him. And it set off a little riot, and the police came in and shut us down. And a, a group of girls, ladies, came to us, to Ruthie and I, and they pleaded with Ruthie. They said, Ruthie, you don't have to live under this, uh, you don't have to um, live under this suppression. You can be free. Just leave the bum. Just, uh, just uh, get. You, you, you don't have to live in under uh, submission. Uh, nobody can tell you what to do. Just leave. And to them, it looks like suppression. To God, it looks like freedom. It looks like a freeing, and it looks like the right person in the right seat. The motivation, by the way, wives, isn't how great your husband is. He's not. Uh, and it isn't how deserving he is. He's he's not. Uh, but it, this whole list that we're going through, and whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. It's who you are in Christ. And if you then be risen in Christ, you're a Christian. And it's who Christ is and not who your husband is. Uh, he's undeserving. 
regardless of gifts and talents and looks and personality and ability, but it's who you are in Christ and you're, you're doing it for Christ. And I think just another thought with this uh, wives' submission thing. We're not called to be passive where a wife, uh, you know, looking on to a perfect marriage, you can't tell who's leading and who's supporting. Uh, it just is a beautiful, a beautiful, works like a Swiss watch where everything is in its place and you can't tell uh, who's doing what. You just know it's working. Uh, don't be passive. Uh, help him. You know, I, I see these news articles where there was children abused and the wife and the husband both go to jail. And I wonder, why didn't the wife step up to the plate? Or why didn't, how did that happen that two people agreed to that awful uh, situation? Uh, the verse here says, as is in fit in the Lord, as it is fit in the Lord is, is how you submit. Uh, not called to be passive. We hold husbands responsible. We hold them accountable, but we share that in a supportive way, not second-guessing, not undermining, not the opposition. Amen? I have just a small group here. Uh, the production crew is here, and that's about all there, so i got to keep remembering to look at the camera because they they fell asleep there, but... Husbands, husbands love your wives. You know, uh, this isn't hard. Each person is given one thing. Your one thing, wives, was to submit. Just one thing. How hard is that? <laughs> and your one thing, husband, <laughs> they woke up. The one thing, husbands, is love your wives. How hard is that? And just a few Supporting verses, uh, again reading, Husband, love your wife and be not bitter against them. And Ephesians 5, which is the parallel setting of this here group of uh, family instructions. Ephesians 5, So ought men love to love their wives as their own bodies. He, loveth, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And in 1 Peter it says, Husbands, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. According to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as a weaker vessel. And being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Again, let me say again. Let me say again to all the young people in here. You know, this is written to Christians. It's written to you and I. It's not written to the world that doesn't care what happens. This is written. I really appreciate the mindset that commitment means commitment. That till death do us part. We work through this. That's a mindset. I love that about our culture. You are the one. Unbreakable. You leave and cleave one flesh and unconditional is the one word, husbands, that stuck in my mind. You are the one, your wife and you become one and you share everything with your wife. Your hurts, your feelings, your goals, your desires. You and your wife are one and you share everything with her. 
Marriage mirrors God's relationship with his people. And it's a beautiful picture. Husbands, love your wives. That's, that's just one. Just like Christ, you love you, your wife. And I say, I love my wife. And I say, I love beef jerky. But that's two different things, right? If, if I'd have to decide to give one up, beef jerky or my wife, it wouldn't take me long. I could, I could decide that pretty quick. There's two different kinds of world. The agape love is unconditional. Regardless of her response and her support and her submission. Husbands, you love her like Christ. You put her needs above your own. You, uh, you do that regardless of, her, of your views of how a Christian woman should submit or whether she does or whether she doesn't like Christ who while you were yet sinners died for you. You would do anything for your wife. You would cherish her. You would understand what her favorite milkshake flavor is. You understand everything about her. Live according to knowledge. You, you are more worried about her good than you're worried about your own good. You would give up your schedule and your desires to make sure that she's covered. You, you lift her up. You cherish her. And it's not based on deserving. And you say, Claire, you don't know my wife. Beep. That's a wrong answer. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter how your wife is. You're doing this because who you are in Christ and how he treated you undeserving, not because of her abilities or her responses. According to knowledge, you know her dreams and limitations and struggles. You know her limitations and struggles. Sometimes I... I, I don't think we do as good a job as leading out. Um, and, and, and we don't understand what's going on. Called to put your wife needs and her preferences above your own. You die for her. You know what? If a husband fulfills his job, this kind of leadership, it's not very hard for the wife to be a team player. It's not very hard for a wife to enable him and his leadership. When husband, when, it, when the Bible says husband's a leader, it means, uh, and so that you can understand it a little bit better, let's flip and use the word responsible. The husband's responsible. Uh, you have a responsibility. And, and it's your responsibility that see that things go well. The way for a husband to be right with God is to be right with his wife. And I don't care how spiritual you are, what ministry you're involved in, what office you hold in the church, how the community looks up to you, how your business is going, how everything's running smooth. If things aren't right at home, you're not where God wants you. And you're responsible. If God comes over to you and says, hey, 
your marriage isn't going well. He's going to sit you down as a CEO and you're going to answer. If the marriage is going bumpy, bumpy, gentlemen, you need to step up to the plate. You need to figure it out. You need to do what it takes to make things go the way. You're, you're the lead in leadership. You know, the way you get that is how touchy he gets in, in some other verses. He says, you know, if you don't provide for your wife, for your family, you are not a Christian. That's pretty strong language. How he says is that you're worse than an infidel. A person who is lazy and doesn't provide for the family, uh, even if they have an incredible even if they're a preacher. And no matter what they're doing in the rest of their life, super successful in business. Uh, if you don't provide in all ways for your family, you're worse than an infidel. You know, in Corinthians, it makes a statement, and it doesn't make it as, as downgrading or anything, but it just makes this observation, just an observation in passing. A guy that isn't married has a little bit more time for the Lord. And a guy that is married has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. That is your ministry. I struggle with holding a missionary up that leaves his wife and family with a lot of needs and is honored as a missionary. Gentlemen, our first mission is our family. That's our very first mission. I don't care what success looks like. I really don't care what success looks like in your life. Um, if it isn't the way it should be between you and your wife, you have a lot of work to do. Your successes mean nothing if, uh, if it's not well with your family. Okay. Children... Obey. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I got a couple children here that I can talk to. And children, I, I like to tell you this, first of all. Your godly parents, God, parents that really care about you, is an incredible gift from God. All of you children out there, if you got parents that care and, and parents that love the Lord, you don't realize now how much of a gift that is, but you will someday. And, uh, and God of the universe, he's, he's bigger than all the presidents put together and all the countries put together and all the time. He says, you know what, children, it really makes me happy when you obey and I'm amazed that he cares. He has that much going. He has the whole world in his hands. And it makes him happy when children obey. And I have to think about how sad. Uh, you know, it's, you see, uh, today so many spoiled children who, who haven't learned obedience and how difficult it is as a child and as they grow up to be adults and they haven't learned obedience, haven't learned, uh, what to obey means, but uh, there's families in that a spoiled child can ruin a meal and can ruin a car trip and can ruin an evening together. 
And uh, a people, you know, if you read today, they say, so if a, a six-year-old throws a tantrum and gets out of control, what you do? And the, and the advice today is you separate that six-year-old and you explain to the six-year-old that there's actually a rule in this house against biting and hitting and pushing. And you tell them that that's not okay. And you tell them that you hope that they, that they learn from this. In my day, it was different. And I think there was some abuse in my day. But I think there was, there's a balance here that again is God's pattern. And, uh, back then <clears throat> we went to a public school and I remember uh, the school driver thought we were getting a little pushy as we pushed each other toward the door. And I remember being lifted up by my neck. He grabbed me by the back of the neck and he lifted me up so my feet were off and he talked to me. And he had my attention. Today it seems to be normal for children to to disobey at school or disobey in Walmart. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And I forgot what time I started. Am I going too long or? Okay, they're saying, yeah, I'm going too long. So, <laughs> Okay, I see you out there on the camera too shaking your head. I got a couple yet. Fathers, provoke not your children. They're alone from you for a little while. And they're soon going to be big and they're soon going to be gone. They're flawed just like you are. They need Jesus but they're precious. And there's good reasons God reminds us today. We need these reminders. If I, this 64-year-old person, would sit down with a 20-year-old Claire, there'd be a lot of things I'd have to say to that 20-year-old Claire. Uh, one of the first thing I'd say, don't be so self-righteous. But on this subject of fathers provoke not your children, uh, mistakes I made as a dad. Dads, don't make everything into a federal case right away. Uh, and that might not be your tendency, but as I look back over my years, there's so many things. Um, they, they, it's easy as a dad to be overzealous. And uh, mom's input sometimes balances us there. But children need, need a steady, um, calm, tough dad to bump them up against. They need that. And that's okay. That's normal. They make mistakes. They, they have struggles like you do. Uh, but if I were to sit that 20-year-old Claire down, I would say, Claire, listen. Just stay calm. They, they need you to be calm and you need to leave them fail and you need to, te- uh, you need to train. And I'd say, Claire, each child is unique. And a dad needs to understand the specific emotional needs of the different children. I wasn't so good at that. And it says, lest they be discouraged. Uh, Harold Martin, Caleb's grandpa, writes a lot of books, used to, uh, this paragraph from him, parenting that is too lax, too easygoing, the child will grow up undisciplined and unfit for life. But constant nagging, criticism, 
inappropriate punishments, these are ways that we provoke children. Um, a parent needs to distinguish between the needs, or between uh, defiance and childish irresponsibility, and uh, fairly uh, uh, respond to to that. There, if a person, if a if a young child leaves a tool out and it gets rusty, and he was told to put it away, that wasn't defiance. Probably it wasn't meant to be defiance. It was childish irresponsibility, and there's a difference there, dads. Look at that there. Okay, I gotta calm this down here a little bit. Uh, employees, be faithful uh, because you're a Christian, not because your boss deserves it. Just be faithful. Not, uh, you know, uh, circling back, parents, if you can teach children to work when they're young and to have endurance and to work through, continue through a problem. You're going to do them the biggest favor. It's so hard if a child wasn't learned to be consistent in work to catch up with work ethic when they're 20. No boss has the patience for that there. So a good employee, not lazy, productive, ambition, and strong work ethic, reliable, no bad attitudes. They're so toxic in a, in a school or in a church or in a family or an employee, and honesty. Masters. Last one, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Um, because, again, you're a Christian. Uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, uh, you're doing it because of who you are in Christ, not because everyone deserves it or that kind of thing. But masters, be fair in your pay, be reasonables. I, I had one thought there. Uh, on employers. We have a lot of employers in our church here, and I feel so grateful for that. And we have a lot of good em employers. Uh, you as an employer can ask the employee to do something, and they'll want to do it for you, but it's more than you should be asking them sometimes. And uh, there's, there's such a, a fine line for a Christian boss uh, Somebody needs to drive and grab a hold, and I'd love it so much when a person makes the decisions and and makes the hard decisions and the easy ones. But um, you, as a Christian employer, have uh, God looking over your shoulder. I know, and and here's what I thought of back in uh, my younger days. I I drove truck for Dutch Valley Foods. And I had made a real quick one because he needed the sugar out of Savannah. So I did four days work in two, and I came home. And then uh, my boss asked me, hey, would you go to uh, Hastings, Minnesota, and pick up flour? We have a bakery in Harrisburg that's hurting for that flour. And I said, sure. I, I think I can do that and still be home by Sunday. And so he said, okay, and the trailer you're taking is loaded on the floor with sugar. Would you help unload that? And I said, boy, it would be sure nice if I could uh, get a little sleep in between here. Because I was going to be, uh, so far I hadn't slept much Monday and Tuesday, and it was Wednesday. And he said, well, I'll get somebody to help you, which they did. And they sat on the forklift while I lifted 
100-pound uh, bags of sugar and stacked them on the skid. Then they'd take them back to the warehouse and throw another skid down, and I loaded the next one. And I was so mad it went really well. It went really But here I was going to run all night, and I had ran all the night the day before, and I had got a little sleep in the morning. I'm saying that to give you an example, employers. Uh, God bless you for what you do. It's hard to be a good employer. Uh, when you ask somebody something, make sure it's something that they should be doing. Be reasonable. Read the room. Draw the best out of people. I've seen some managers be able to draw the best out of people and some that often had a bumpy ride there. And appreciate. In closing, uh, this is the manufacturer's operating instructions. We get to choose whether we do these things God's way, but it doesn't change the instructions. And it's so beautiful if it all runs the way God has planned it, if we all fill our part. And it's so painful. I thought of those words again that mom used to say from a friend of hers, Franchoft of hers. To pop what vidanet shehite means dad wasn't nice again today. And that man was super successful in business. He was super looked up to in church. But his home life was in shambles. And I think of how painful, how very painful some of those decisions are. The pop dad wasn't nice again today. Or her husband wasn't nice again today. So sad. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful and delicate and sure and thorough instructions that you give each one of us where we live our lives And we just pray that you would help us to fulfill them. Give us wisdom for the challenges ahead. Give each young family um, the guidance and help them to embrace your patterns rather than the world's patterns. And we just ask you to forgive us, Lord, where we fail on these items. So often we, we find ourselves needing to come back to you. And we just pray that you would forgive and encourage and direct. And we need your help, Lord, in, in all of these areas. And we just pray your guidance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
the Dizon.